Cup of tea tails, ch-ch-ch-changes. Heating, bath time, laundry and the coming of mod cons in the late 1950s. My grandmother's house in Chapel Allerton. I was remembering how my father had modernised our house and how so many other aspects of our lives had changed during my lifetime. But then I remembered my grandma's house and what it was like. My grandma's house, Six Regent Terrace in Chapel Allerton, had the most basic of facilities. As I first remember it, the house had no bathroom. The toilet was one of a row at the bottom of the lane. There was a range, solid iron fireplace with oven and hot plates in the kitchen and the old gas lights. I quite enjoyed going down the lane with the key and using the toilet during the day, but at night there were no lights and I wouldn't have wanted to. I loved to watch Grandma light the gas lights. There was a mantle that glowed brightly and there was the sound of hissing gas. In the little lane was one gas street lamp that reminded me of the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It became an electric one. But now it's gone. Grandma used to tell me tales of when she was little. She told me about knocker-uppers who would come to the house with a long pole and knock on the windows to make sure that you were awake in time to go to work. I thought she was making it up. But this was an actual job and an early form of alarm clock. The house had two bedrooms upstairs and two rooms downstairs, the kitchen and the parlour. The staircase was very narrow and twisted as it went up. There was also a cellar. My elder brother and I whitewashed the cellar walls on many occasions. I've no idea what the reason for painting a cellar white was, particularly as it also had a coal store. But we used to do it with an enthusiasm that waned quite quickly. My wife suggested it might have something to do with pests, but I don't know. I know the Navy did it to ships to improve the light and reduce bacteria. Maybe it was just Grandma's ruse to keep us busy and out of mischief. The house is still there, but it has been modernised and I'm sure is a very different place, and two houses have been combined to make one bigger one. When I was very young, electricity was installed and within a few years the government paid for one bedroom to be turned into a bathroom which included a modern flushing toilet and the toilet block at the end of the lane was removed. Nighttime needs were met by the use of a gazunder. These were ceramic or enamel pots and were kept under the beds and were like adult-sized babies' potties. Before the bathroom was installed... Bath time meant a tin bath being brought out of the cellar and water being heated using the range. The bath would be filled on the kitchen floor and when it was ready, Grandad would have a bath and then Grandma would use the same water. When my mum and auntie were little girls, they would have taken their turns with the same bath water. They were brought up in the British Working Men's Institute, Snooker Club in Chapel Allerton, not far from Regent Terrace. Bath days were usually once a week. The chimney had a water tank and the burning of coal on the range heated the water, heated the house and was used to cook meals in the built-in oven and boil water in pans on the top. It was a blessing in winter as it was with the open fire in the parlour and bedrooms, the only means of heating the house. 
I well remember the ritual of lighting the fires. The old coke and ashes were removed with a small shovel and brush, and when it was clean, pieces of newspaper were rolled and twisted to make fire starters. Small kindling, bits of wood, were added on the top, and then pieces of coal were placed over the top of the hearth. I loved helping Grandma start the fire, and she was happy to supervise the process and let me do most of it. When it was ready to light, the matches came out. Swan vesters were the usual, and there was a supply as Grandad needed them for his pipe. A large sheet of newspaper was on hand to draw the fire. The kindling was lit and the sheet of paper was placed over the front. This shut the air off from the top, but drew air through the space at the bottom. The fire used to roar up and I loved watching the light through the paper. Within a short time it began to scorch with the heat and sometimes a circle of flame would burn through the centre. Grandma would then use tongs to place the newspaper safely in the fire. Without the sheet of paper drawing the fire, the flames would subside and hopefully the fire would be well lit. Sometimes it took a second go to draw the fire and get the coal properly alight. Down in the cellar at my grandma's house was the coal store and outside on the lane pavement was an iron plate that slid across to reveal the coal hole. I remember well the coal trucks coming to the end of the lane and the burly men backing up to the truck laden with hessian sacks of coal. The men had strong leather aprons or waistcoats and as they backed to the side of the truck another man on the truck would position a sack of coal. The man would take hold of the top two corners and lift the hundredweight load onto his back, walk down the lane and tip it down the hole to the cellar. Depending on how much was ordered, this may be two or three trips, and there was this tremendous crunching sound of the coal sliding down the chute and collecting at the bottom. The faces and hands of the coal men were black, and I hate to think how they got clean or what the state of their lungs would have been in. To add insult to injury, the cheery men often smoked whilst working. I remember them collecting the money for the coal and taking the orders for the next delivery. When the coal had been delivered, it was my brother's and my job to sort it out. We went into the cellar, which was always cool and damp. We had to shovel the coal back into the store and then break up some large bits with a sledgehammer and then place them in a tin bucket and struggle to carry them up the steps for the fires. The coal was magnificent, shiny black chunks, and when they burned, little pulses of gas would come out of some pieces and catch a light and dance with the blue flickering flame. I watched the fires for hours and imagined a world of magical volcanoes and dragons. It was much better than the TV. At first, the coal was not smokeless, the Great London Smog of 1952 killed 4,000 initially and a further 8,000 in the following weeks and months because of illness caused by it. The result of this were the Clean Air Acts of 1956 and later 1968, which saw the introduction of smokeless fuels. The major problem with this is that smokeless coal production still released the same toxic gases and carbon into the atmosphere but it did it where the coke was produced and not where it was burnt in the cities. By the 1960s there was a move to electric and gas heating 
which reduced the amount of coal being burnt in homes, but not in the coal-fired power stations, and therefore did nothing for overall pollution. Also located in the cellar was the washing machine of the day, the dolly tub. This was a large galvanised barrel that was filled with hot water, and there was the dolly, which looked like a small wooden stool with a long handle and cross piece through the seat part. Washing was placed in the tub, and the agitation was done by placing the dolly in the tub and energetically turning the handle back and forth, violently stirring the washing. It must have been really hard work for Grandma, but it wasn't finished there. The washing would be pulled out and rinsed, and then fed through the mangle. The mangle was a cast-iron frame that held two rollers. There was a large handle, and the wet washing was fed in between the rollers that pressed together, and the water was forced out. I loved to watch it as bubbles would form in the sheets or the shirts, and stiff, much drier clothes came out the other end. When the electricity was installed, the mechanical dolly tub was replaced by an electric one. The early washing machines were not very different, but were powered and made life much easier for the ladies doing the washing. Sorry, but it was women who did the housework. The mangle was still fascinating, less strenuous and more thorough. Grandad's shirts had never looked so clean. Men wore shirts with removable collars and the collars would be replaced daily, but the shirts were worn all week. Shirts with removable collars started to be replaced with built-in collars, the same as today. Carbolic soap was used to scrub the grime off the collars and pears and fairy soaps became popular. These changes happened over a brief time period and the better heating, sewerage systems and cleaner air made a substantial difference to public health. But further change would see society transformed in ways my grandparents couldn't have imagined. If you enjoy my tales, then you might be interested in knowing that there are two collections of them. The first, A Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and the second, Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years. Both are available as paperback from Amazon and ebooks from Kindle.